Hello, hey, and welcome to Ask the Color Expert. My name is Elaine Travis. I am a career hair colorist, independent educator, and author of the book, A Colorful Journey. I'm here every week sharing tips, tricks, and stories that are all things hair color. Thanks for joining me, and let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to the Ask the Color Expert podcast. Today's special guest is a friend and a salon nearby my, my I always say former salon, but I'm no longer there, but my salon is still there <laughs> in Pennsylvania. Um, she is right outside of Philadelphia. Her adorable salon is called Slate, and I invited her here today. I want to hear the story about the name. I'm intrigued by how she came up with that name and also um, to find out what her journey has been like going from commission employee to salon owner while having a very young child. So this is going to be a good one. Welcome, Danielle. Thanks for being here. Hello. (laughs) So we were joking before I pushed record. I said to Danielle, all the juicy stuff happens before we start recording. Uh, Her mother-in-law is a dear, dear friend of mine that I love very much. I did her hair for years before I moved to Florida. And when she told me that Danielle was thinking about opening a salon, I said, please tell her to have coffee with me. And I will tell her the 4 million reasons why not to do it. So we were just catching up and joking about that moment of don't do it. And Danielle, you had said when we were having that conversation that this really wasn't your dream. It wasn't something that you, when you went to beauty school said, I can't wait to have my own salon. But first let's talk about the name Slate. You spell it S-L, is it S-L, the number eight? The number eight. Okay. And then a T? It's just just S-L-8. So it's S-L-8. So how many times have people called and said, is this S-L-8 salon? So what was the the reason for that? Where did it come from? It's really hard to come up with a name. As you know, most people don't want to be cheesy and say like curl up and die and, you know, all those kind of, you know, funky terms. And then for me, I I never wanted my salon to be my name. I just felt like it just automatically oozes. It's all about me. And I never wanted my salon to feel that way. So where, where did it come from? Um, it came um, eco-friendly. So everything's cruelty-free. You know, we're very um, conscious about like all of our products. So I wanted something that kind of had this earthy sound to it. But again, didn't sound like a yoga studio, wasn't like a cheesy hair salon. So me and my husband, we just kind of started brainstorming, like just throwing out names like grass, rock. <laughs> and, um, you know, our our color schemes are gray and black and white. And then I, I said sleep. Um, like gray, like a gray, but like a slate, like a stone. And he said, you, sh- you should spell it with an eight because it's um, eye-catching. Um, and so I it really, was, yeah, it wasn't really like this like crazy story. It was just kind of like, let's brainstorm. The the salon's definitely, um, as you know, very family involved. Um, you know, my, my family, my in-laws, my husband, like everybody had like kind of like an influence in building it. Um, so yeah, so it definitely was like a, it was a combo of me and my husband just kind of brainstorming. And like I, I love said, that it's one word. I always love a one word name because it's just easy. It rolls off the tongue. It's not complicated. Um, what I thought of when I thought of the name, as soon as I saw it, 
for me, the meaning, not, not knowing what the meaning was, was, oh, clean slate. Like, this is me. This is my salon. I'm going to do things the way that I would have liked them to have been done when I worked elsewhere, because I knew a little bit about the background from your mother-in-law of like, you know, how it can be so drama filled in other salons and that you, you know, were all about the passion and the hair and didn't want to get involved in all the side things that happen that are out of your control. So I was like, oh, maybe she just wanted a clean slate. So you could, you could also use that as your, as it's, your, uh, <laughs> it was clean slate. Cause it was, it was like, you know, a whole new adventure for me. And, and like we said, I mean, I knew what I was getting into, but you still don't know what you're getting into. I mean, it's a, it's a lot of tears, a lot of sacrifice. And, um, but again, going back to what I was dealing with in previous salons, it was worth it because in the long run, I had the control over my own career and I, I just, I didn't like not having the control anymore. So it was, um, it was not an easy decision, especially because I did have a young son at home and my husband was the one who he kind of said, you know, you should really been do doing this. I've been saying for years, you just need to have your own place. And I was like, you don't understand how much work goes into it. And, um, but I finally got to a point where I was like, I just can't, I can't work for anybody anymore. I really, um, I just couldn't take, like we said, like the drama, like you would have like somebody that would start working there that would kind of, you know, throw off the whole dynamic. And then, you know, the owners like kind of are just like, oh, well, they're bringing in a lot of money. So we're going to let them do whatever they want. And even though if it causes everybody else to leave, we're going to keep this one employee just, you know, because they're bringing in tons of money. Um, there was also a part that the more my book start to, started to build and the busier I got, um, I had a couple of owners that wanted to take more for a percentage. So even though we agreed upon, hey, I'm going to work here for 50%, once I started getting busy, they wanted more of a chunk of the money. So, you know, for whatever reason, it would be like, we're going to do 45% now. Oh and uh, yeah, I mean, it was, I, it's the salon in industry is definitely, um, it's changing. And, you know, I, I'm somebody that like, if you make an agreement with somebody, you make an agreement with somebody. You can't just like, especially when it comes to money, you don't take less like for somebody that's doing a good job, you're supposed to, you know, give them more. Incentivize more. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can feel the people listening right now. When you said the diva comes into the salon, changes the whole culture, you go to the owner, you express your concerns and they say, well, he or she brings in a lot of money. That's just kind of how it is. And, you know, everybody listening has that, oh yes. And they have that person that pops into their head. And for me, I'm sure Barb has filled you in, um, you know, with being in business for 32 years, I've had to let a lot of people go that it was a painful decision because of the money part of it. But once you do it once, and once you take that poison, that one poison out of the culture, it changes everything. I have a friend who's also in our area near both of our salons and she was really struggling with it and she was terrified <clears throat> to make the decision to let this one person go. And I said, I promise you, if it goes south and it, it's the worst decision you ever made, I'm so sure it's going to be better. I will pay you whatever money she was bringing in. I will, I will write you a check for that. And she was like, you're crazy. I'm like, no, I I've done this for a long time. And I know 
that no amount of money on a bad seed is worth it for your business because as soon as she let her go, she hired three more people that were amazing and fit right into the culture and everyone could breathe again. And it wasn't yeah. about the money, you know? So now you have three people doing that same amount of money, but they're three happy people that are fun to be around. So yeah. as a salon owner now, well, first of all, back up to when I was saying to your mother-in-law, please don't let her do this. My concern was not that you were incapable of doing it and it wasn't that you weren't ready. It was the age of your son. My biggest regret in all of this, my salon was my first baby. So my salon was already there. I didn't have a choice. And twice with both of my kids, I had major trauma that the salon contributed to, to that I could not enjoy my kids being babies. I didn't have a proper maternity leave ever. And I look at them now and they're 27 and 23. And I'm like, where did that time go? Like, what, what the hell just happened? All of a sudden, I have all this time on my hands because I'm an empty nester and they have busy lives. So I was like, oh, Barb, please tell her if she does do it, like, don't put the salon before the, the child because it's so easy to do because it's your livelihood, right? I mean, the baby doesn't pay the bills, the salon does. And it becomes such a passion project and, and we love our business so much that we love it equally as much as our children, but the business will always be there and the kids won't. And that's the biggest struggle. And I'm sure I don't have to tell you now because you lived through it, but that really was it. It wasn't, you know, oh, another salon, hard not to do it. Like it wasn't a competitive thing. It was truly from the bottom of my heart, like, oh, please, no, not another mother that's not going to get to see those moments. You know, I, I missed my mom would call me and be like, oh my God, she just said that. And I would just cry because I missed yeah. it. The one good thing about technology now is that I can work from home and do a lot of the salon stuff and still be at home with him. The hardest thing was setting up the boundaries of, you know, really trying to figure out like, you know, hours, if I am working from home, that I'm only like doing things at like a certain time and not all day long, you know, so that at like 10 o'clock at night, I'm not emailing people or, you know, adjusting appointments and doing that kind of stuff. So I kind of made it that from... <clears throat> like 9am to 11am is when I kind of do like my work from home. Um, and then I have the afternoon free and then I go in later. I don't start my actual behind the chair shift until 3pm. So at that point, you know, I still got to spend a lot of the time with Gregory. Um, the hardest, like now I feel like I'm, I'm kind of getting into a flow and set up those boundaries. In the beginning though, when you're building the salon, you're so consumed with building the salon, you know, trying to get like a client base in there, trying to get stylist in there, trying to get your name out there, trying to, you know, meet up with sales reps for your color line, your product line, all of those type of things. And that's where a lot of like the sacrifice came in. Um, and one of the things that I, definitely made sure of like when there was like moments like his school like the Halloween party the Christmas party I was there so there wasn't you know a moment that I was like no I have to go into work this day because they're gonna need me to do this like I definitely had it in my mind like I'm not going to miss this like little Christmas party in his classroom because this is more important um and so that was really, but again, in the beginning, it's really hard because you do feel like, oh, if I don't go to the salon, is this going to, 
affect, you know, the building of, of the brand or the business. And um, you really want to find a good crew that's working in there that you can trust that, you know, in the beginning, like we did have some issues with, you know, I, I you know, couldn't like leave somebody in the salon alone um, for whatever reason. So it was like, I kind of had to sit there and babysit. And now we're coming into December will be five years. And I feel like at this point I have um, a great crew in there and that I know like if I go on vacation and something happens, they can handle it. Mm-hmm. It's not going to five alarm fire. Like, you know, um, so that definitely has given me a lot more freedom, but I mean, you def- I, I had to put the hard work in. And like you said, like the first two, three years was definitely, you know, a lot of sacrifice <laughs> and then we had COVID. <laughs> Mm, yeah, you've been through, you've been through it all. I told my daughter now has my salon and I tell her all the time, if I had been there during COVID, I think that would have been the end. Like I was already feeling really burned out prior to it and looking for an exit strategy. And we moved, you know, to another state and made big changes. But like you said, the, the salon team becomes an extended family. And I was worried about what was going to happen to them. I felt like the mother figure, you know, I, I set up that dynamic of I'm kind of the mom and they're kind of my other children and my kids will bring it up on the regular, like, oh, you won't always put the, your salon family before your family, you know, they do rub it in. They're like, I remember, you know, I would have a school show and I'd be looking out in the audience and mom would be sneaking in when it was like 20 minutes into the thing. I was always late because clients are always late. So even when I had the best intentions, I was always rushing to get to whatever it was and not enjoying it, just going through the motions because I was so stressed to get there. And even times I would go to their thing and then have to go back to the salon, like have like a little window. And I'm sure you know, with the parties, with the lunchtime things, and everything, you're like, oh, you always have to get back. And I look back at that and I think, God, it's so silly. It was just hair. You know, nobody would, would have been harmed in any way if I would have taken the entire day off. And that was me. It was my lack of maturity. I opened my salon when I was 22. So I didn't realize that it was me doing all these things to myself. I thought it was happening to me, not knowing that I never set those boundaries. It's as simple as, I'm sorry, I'm not here that day. And, you know, when you're calling a client, you're like, I'm so sorry, Jill, I have to, you know, reschedule your appointment. You feel like you have to give them this reason. There's really, you don't have to give them any reason. You have to say, I'm no longer available at the time that you have scheduled and we need to move it, period. No more. I've learned so much more about boundaries and, you know, mindfulness and emotional intelligence and how to properly set the tone that it really is up to you. You're a service provider. And if you're going to provide a service, it has to be when you're in the building. And if you're not going to be in the building, you're not going to be in the building. That's, so it sounds so simple, right? But when you're starting out, you I'm sure will agree. You didn't have oh, that coming. <laughs> that's not, that's, that's a whole new mentality that's come around, I think from the millennials. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm a Gen Xer. So I was trained by the boomers who said, the customer's always right. You know, you want to like work, 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 work. And, you know, like you said, like you, you don't want to like miss that one client because then you're going to lose them as a client. 
So you, I, I, I did, I kind of had this mentality of like, you, you gotta be at, you gotta be at the salon, you gotta work. Like, you know, you're going to like lose people. And, um, and then, you know, one of our stylists, um, she's a millennial and she was, she was the one who kind of like was training me. Like you have to start setting boundaries. She's like, your client's late. Like you can't take that client. And then, you know, make the other person wait. And I was like, oh, I'm like, here's this 20 year old girl, like teaching me, you know, how to do this. And she was right. And I felt like that's when things started to kind of really change for me as a stylist and a, a salon owner was like getting that into my head of like, you know, you can still maintain good customer service and, um, you know, have a good professional relationship with your client and still have boundaries and not kind of be a doormat and just like, you know, let people walk all over you, like with the clients just coming in late. I mean, and granted, like you hit traffic, stuff happens, but then you have people that are, you, I mean, you know, that do it every single time and, or they just no show. And, and, you know, you're always like, as a stylist, I was always like scared to say something to them. Cause it's like, you don't want a client to be mad at you. Mm. Oh, that was like a thing to like learn how to, how do you approach this? How do you keep your boundary? How do you say it in a way that the client's not mad? And um, so that's one of the things that I learned. And I kind of like, will say to clients, like, I understand, I always tell them, I understand that like stuff comes up, but I also have to be respectful of my other clients that, you know, wanted to get in. And if you didn't show, they could have had that appointment. So I think it gives them a little bit of like perspective that it's not just about, oh, I'm annoyed that you were late. It's a whole working system. And again, like that's something that I had to learn because I just saw it as, oh, you know, just if they're late, just don't say anything, just do them. And, you know, um, but I wasn't thinking like, oh, the next person now they, they have to wait. 15 and the minutes next and the next. And then it's that domino effect that they don't yeah. understand that we're packed in, you know, client to client. Something that I love that we learned from the new generation is that a full-time work schedule doesn't have to look like it did in 1985. Um, yeah. We tend to continue whatever was. It was always the Tuesday to Saturday. Saturday was always the bus busiest day. I missed so many things before I even had children socially with working on Saturdays. You didn't want to go out Friday night because you had to get up early. And then Saturday night, you were exhausted. You couldn't go out because you were just completely exhausted. So then you end up hanging out with all of your hair friends and going out on Sundays and that becomes your, your new normal that Sunday night is your Saturday night, but no longer <laughs> is that true. And it doesn't have to be, you know, now my generation, it was all about like, don't let anybody behind the desk. Don't let them look at the book. Don't let them get the names and phone numbers of the clients. Now everyone's clients, their friends on social media, they can message their stylist at any time. There's a lot more one-to-one -one connection and it threatened the salon, the commission salon industry, because it was such a battle of like, to your point, you know, you're only getting 45, come here, I'll give you 55, come here, I'll give you 60. And everybody started throwing around these numbers, not understanding money and percentages and anyone paying 60% will not be in business in five years. It's simply not possible. Yeah. I saw your, your recent picture of your salon remodel. And I saw that you're using Goldwell. You can't use Goldwell color and pay someone 60% commission. That shit is expensive, really yeah. expensive. So color companies are not shy about raising the price for us on the product. We're so shy about passing that on to the guest. We're so afraid 
like we've been talking about this whole interview is like fear, fear, fear. Oh my gosh, the client, they're not going to be happy. They're going to leave me. Well, guess what? You're better off if they leave you, if you're not charging enough for that retouch, because you're actually losing money doing it. And we just did a price increase on our color. And I, again, I was like nervous because I'm like, we're coming out of like COVID, you know, some people still are not back to work or they're, yeah. they're back to work. They're nervous and they don't want to spend their money. They want to, you know, they want to make sure that they're budgeting. And, but I like what you said, like the color prices went up. Goldwell is not cheap and our retail is, um, Orbay, which is mm, not. Wow. Yeah. That's very expensive. So, I mean, it, when the, those costs go up, I do a price increase in the salon. And like I said, I was, I was really nervous. Um, but fortunately all, none of our clients like said anything about the increase. Um, and I, when I sent out an email blast, letting people know, I didn't call it a price increase. I called it a price update. So I feel I like, like yeah. So I'm like, you know, I'm like, we are, we keep on labeling it an, an increase, but it's not really an increase. It's, it's an update because everything's going up. So I'm not increasing it just to increase it, just to make it our prices higher. I'm just updating with the times everything's going up. So I have to adjust my prices accordingly. If you didn't, then I would still be charging $25 for a haircut. I mean, I think when I started, I, I keep on joking when I started doing hair in the 1900s, because it was 1997. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I color touch up, I think it might've been like $22 for like a root touch up, you know? I mean, it was pretty cheap. And the color that we used wasn't like great color. I mean, it dried the hair. I mean, like you said, like Goldwell, it's a great color. When you feel the difference on the hair, um, people's hair is very hydrated. It's not dry. It's, you know, so again, you're, you're going to, you're going to have to pay for the, the increase in the quality of the product. Um, but like I said, luckily we do have a good client base. That's kind of understanding with all of this. And I did it within reason. I wasn't like, Hey, we're going to hike everything up by like $50. You know, it was, it was kind of, you know, I think it was expected for a lot of people. I, I, think I agree. I think it was. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's tricky. It's the salon um, doing hair right now is definitely when it comes to pricing difficult because nobody gets a highlight haircut anymore. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> like, this is like, I call them like designer hair colors. Like you're getting like a color melt with, um, you know, an ombre and all these different things that require training. And, you know, they take up three to maybe five hours, depending on the length of hair, you're using a lot of color. So that's the other thing, making sure that, you know, when we consult with people, we're letting them know like, Hey, on our menu, it says a highlight is say $125. But in all reality, you're not getting a highlight. You're getting this, this, and that. And like letting them know like, hey, that's going to be like 300 to $400. Um, that's when you have people that are like, wait, oh, I didn't realize. And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, that's everything that kind of goes into it. So Doesn't I feel like, like that happened overnight too. It was, I mean, over and like for me, again, like I've been doing this for 20 some years. So my clients are like people that I've had forever. And they really, they kind of are like, they are just like, I'm getting like a face frame highlight and a root touch up. Um, so I didn't know any of this was like really happening. And then like the one day I was in the salon and I saw the one stylist doing like all this work on this girl's hair. And I was like, oh my God. And then like the totals, like she rung her up according to like our prices. And I was like, that's not. Yeah, we're not going to make a habit of that. <laughs> it's fair to her either. Like labor-wise, right. 
out of labor. And I'm like, you know, cause she, you know, you only get a percentage of that. And then this is what I don't think people realize, like we're commissioned. So we only get, you know, a percentage of what we bring in and then you have your taxes come out and we don't have health benefits, retirement. So, you know, by the time all that stuff comes out of your paycheck, there's like not a lot left. Um, so when you see somebody doing a lot of labor and then not being compensated for it, I kind of was like, we have to, we have to figure something out with this because we can't have people just thinking they're getting a regular highlight, but then come in with the picture of, you know, I mean, like everything that they have. Um, and a lot, a lot of times we have people that want extensions and that's like another, you know, like sticker shock moment for people because they're like, oh, I want to get some extensions and I'll be like, okay, well, that pack of hair is going to be $180. And then the installs $150. Sometimes if they need it for like volume and length, I mean, you're looking at $800. Yeah. Easily. So it's, um, I find that it's more of like that, like really just keeping clients informed of like what they're asking for and what that price is. Cause I feel like they're okay with like the price increase as long as they know kind of what they're, what they're paying for. Um, and I do think that they don't realize when they see a picture of something, all that goes into it. Absolutely. Especially when they're super dark naturally and they, they bring a picture of, you know, somebody white, white blonde, and they think we can just wave a magic wand and and make it happen. I think that the new, the new trends have made us really have to step up our consultation skills because we have to educate the client on what it takes to get there. And sometimes during a consultation, you'll lose that guest because you're the first person explaining to them what is necessary. But if they go to two other salons for a consultation, they should, if the salon is doing things properly, hear the same thing from them. But if they're just coming to you and you're the first one, they're like, that lady's crazy with those prices. I'm going somewhere else. And then you get the phone call when they want to come back and how to correct it because someone tried to do it in one step and overpromised them and completely underdelivered. Now they have to pay us for a corrective session because it got messed up because they thought they could cheat the system, you know? So that I think is the biggest frustration right now is that people are always trying to one up each other and, and trying to get their better, quicker, faster. And with hair, it's a fiber that it can't come back from those mistakes. You know, once you trash it with too much, too much, too fast. There's no repairing it. It has to be cut off. And they're certainly, if they're looking for extensions, they're certainly not going to want to hear that they need it cut off. No, when they're I mean, I've, I mean, I'm like a chemical junk junkie, so I've damaged my hair multiple, multiple times. So, I mean, I firsthand experience know like what happens when you do that to your hair. I mean, that's one thing when a stylist does it to their hair, I kind of know what I'm doing. Like, you know what I'm, I'll just cut it off. Not a big deal. But like right. when you're a client, they're going to be devastated. But, and again, this goes into kind of being a regular stylist versus now I'm a salon owner. I kind of had to, you know, start paying attention to what other people were doing. Like, and again, I'm, I'm definitely an independent worker. I've always been kind of like, like I said, come in, do what I need to do, do my clients. So for me, again, like I'm doing my regular clients, I'm not realizing any of like these changes are kind of like happening until like I actually did have that moment of like, oh my God, you guys are doing like a lot of work. Like I had to sit down and really talk to these girls about 
pricing, what they're doing, you know, and, and have them involved in like, what would be like a fair pricing for these services that you're doing? Cause again, I'm not, I'm not doing them. Like I really am. I have a very regular client base. Um, even my new clients that come in, they are coming to me just for like regular highlights. They don't want, they still want that bright blonde highlighted look. They're not looking to have, you know, the three different, like, um, you know, the shadow root with like the little bit of, and then like the lighter ends, the melt, um, which, so again, is, is great for me. It's what I enjoy doing, but then I have to kind of be watching to see what is happening with everybody else in the salon, which is hard. Cause again, I'm not used to being like somebody that really pays. I don't know. I don't want this to sound like I'm like self-absorbed, but I'm kind of like, you know, in well, my you're own. in the zone, you're in the zone with your client and, and they pay for your time. And that's the way it should be. The running joke with me, you know, the way our salon is set up, I was in the back. We have an open um, dispensary where you can see all the color being mixed and the color was done in one area and the cutting in another and the color was the far back of the salon and there would be a consultation going on all the way at the other end of the salon up front and I could hear every word of it while I was doing my client while I knew that somebody else was on the phone and there was a salesperson that like I could multitask I'm so ADD that that was like a dream for me to have all those balls in the air but that was the running joke my daughter would be like how the hell she would be up front and I'd say oh what was that conversation about blah 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 and she'd be like how did you hear that I'm like it's called owning a salon. You have to have yeah. eyes in the back of your head, the front of your head, the side of your head. You have to be, you know, have a million balls in the air. And that's why now that I'm not in the salon, I feel like I'm living in slow motion because I can't turn that off, that feature. Like if I'm out to dinner with my husband, I'm listening to the couple next to me on the right. I'm listening to the couple on the left because I see him all the time. Yeah. And I'll be like, oh my gosh, did you just, and he's like, are you kidding me? You're totally listening to their conversation. I'm like, I need to multitask. It's what I do. <laughs> so it is like, it's part of the job description. You know, if you're not paying attention, when you get that inventory bill, and it's, you know what it's like, uh, an average order is $1,200, $1,500 from the beauty supply. And that's not even for everything. Have you noticed the price of gloves? I almost fell over when I went to get gloves like two weeks ago. I'm like, wait a minute. When yeah. did a box of gloves become like $18? I think I used to pay $6.99 or something. Oh my and God. now and it's we like insane. Crazy. Because yeah. I mean, we're a salon. So that's, you know, that's what we specialize in. So we really, we're going through gloves. I do. I feel like I'm constantly ordering gloves, <laughs> like gloves and foils. I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, we ran out again. And um, so, yeah, it's definitely, I, I definitely, I think I like learned it like quick though, like to how to kind of start, you know, pay attention to this, make sure like, you know, you're multitasking. And it was funny because for Greg's birthday, I took him and like of um, his friends, we just went over to Dave and Buster's and then I took them to Chick-fil-A and um, in Chick-fil-A, you know, you have a bunch of kids that are like, bah, 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 like, I want this, I want that. And then when like the orders, like, where's mine, where's mine. So I'm like, okay, you here, you here, you had this, you had that. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I was like, wow. She's like, you're, you're pretty good at this. Like you kind of have like a, and I was like, I think it's from the salon. I was like, I think it's from learning how to be like, okay, get this person over here, get this person here. Um, you know, how many times does like all three of the bells go off at the same time for like a client. So you have to figure out how to kind of get them all set up at the same time and, and really multitask and keep it running smooth and efficient. So, um, and it, it's like a do or die moment because if you don't, 
it's like you said, it could be, it could be mayhem. Like I've walked into the salon before and, um, you know, there's nobody kind of like, you know, what is it? Uh, raining the circus. <laughs> oh, it's, it's like a, an air traffic controller. Like you just said exactly how, if, if I would be in the salon on my day off, I would walk in and I would straighten up a pile of my, back when we could have magazines, straighten up a pile of magazines, see that the coffee machine needed more water, see that the flowers needed to be recut and the water changed. You know, the music's a little too loud. It's a little too warm in here. Why is that fan not on? Why is that, you know, sun blasting in that window? Shut that sheet. All of those things, to your point, when you're doing hair, it's head down, client in front of you. That's all you're looking at when you're part of the culture, part of the staff. But to the owner's eyes, for me, that drove me crazier than, than the actual work coming or going from. I knew their work was on point. Yeah. But it would be, you know, the air conditioning vent would have, you know, dust in it the size of a hairball, you know, tumbleweed. And I'm like, how can you not see that? The client's laying back getting shampooed. That's the first thing my eye goes to. So that was always the biggest frustration with front desk position, trying to train them to see the salon with my eye. You know, no, I I had a strict rule of no onions at lunch. And when people would take a job, they would laugh. They'd be like, you're kidding, right? I'm like, no, I'm not kidding. You're working yeah. on the public. And if you think that that gum you shove in your mouth after you eat a salad full of onions is doing anything, you're sadly mistaken. And your client's thinking it. She's just not saying it. And I don't know about you, but if my client reeked of onions every time I went, I would not want to get a blowout from them or be in their chair because it smells. It's like offensive. It's you know, bad breath. You're, it comes out of your pores. So it's just... Yeah being aware of those extra things that I think is the reason we were able to be one of the higher price salons in the area and stay busy through COVID, through every pivotal time and change in the industry for 32 years, we're still there and we're as successful as we ever were. Um, I sent my daughter a a message the other day because one of the new girls was out of dress code and it was posted on Instagram and I was fired up. I'm like, I don't get involved very often, but when I saw that, she had like sweatpants on, sneakers, and I was like, "Uh -uh, at work. And she's like, mom, that's in style. I said, I don't care what's in style. I have built a brand that I'm very proud of for 32 years, and it is luxury, upscale, expensive. Sneakers Mm -hmm. and sweatpants do not belong in a luxury. I'm old school. People listening are be like, oh God, she's an old lady. She doesn't know. I'm sorry. That's the way that I feel. It's never going to change. So she fought me a little bit. She was like, mom, you have to. I said, no, I don't have to. Like if they want to be able to charge those prices, they need to dress as if they deserve it. And they have to look the part. They have to have their hair done, their makeup done. And, and I'm not saying they have to go to Neiman Marcus and spend $4,000 on shoes. But if you're going to wear a comfortable sneaker, at least make it black so that yeah. it just blends into your outfit and have nice express black work pants, not sweatpants. And then I'm fine. Yep. You can wear your little black shoes if they're comfortable. I want you to be comfortable. I just don't want you to look like you just came off of the basketball court and you're doing hair. When I first opened up the salon, I had no policies. I had like nothing. I mean, it was just, you know, okay, I have a salon. I'm just going to work. It was me and like one other girl there. I have a full handbook now. Yeah. And it's necessary, it the, unfortunately. It, it has the dress code in there because again, I I think of it as like, for me, when I go somewhere, if I'm going to like a nice restaurant and somebody walks up and they look, you know, kind of, you know, like they rolled out of bed, it's a whole experience. It's a whole atmosphere. You're paying for 
it to look a certain way for the vibe to be a certain way. It's not just about like, okay, the hair was great, but like how also was the experience of it? Like, did they smell like onions? Were they like sloppy? Look, I know if somebody looks really sloppy, I don't want them touching my hair. And I also like, you're going to tell me how to look good when you look like that. And I remember that happened to me. The first salon that I worked at, there was, um, it was Andorra. <laughs> you remember, um, hair pro, mm-hmm. it, um, hair pro and a girl walked in and she wanted a haircut. And I said, um, okay, the one stylist is available. And she's like, which stylist? I pointed to the stylist and um, the stylist was drunk, dressed like pretty frumpy. Like, you know, hair wasn't blown out, just kind of frizzy sneakers, jeans, an ill-fitted like t-shirt type thing. And the girl actually said, I don't, I don't want to go to her. And I was like, and I was young. I was only, you know, I think maybe like 19. And I was like, oh no. I was like, she's actually, she's a great stylist. I'm like, she's done my hair a million times. And you know, she, and she was, she was a really good stylist. And the girl was like, I don't want somebody that looks like that doing my hair. And that's when it clicked on me. Like people are paying attention. We are beauty professionals. And if you're giving advice and charging people to look a certain way, you should look the part. And again, like, doesn't mean you have to be dressed in like Versace outfits, but you need to look like you, you, you put a little effort in and that you're a professional. And I think that's something that is like, kind of going away in the industry that if you are a salon and you do have that it's going to set you apart and make you busier because people are people want that they're they're craving it they're looking for it they want to have somebody that they know when they go in there they are going to look nice they're going to run on time they're not going to talk about inappropriate things i mean how many stylists do you hear talk about inappropriate things i mean sometimes when I've been in the salon and I hear like somebody like talking about certain stuff, I would be like horrified. Like, I can't believe you are actually talking about this when 80 year old Joan is two seats away, (laughs) ready to have a heart attack. So it's, it's a whole, it's a whole thing. And like you said, like your daughter said, like, well, that's, what's in style. That's okay. But she's not going to a barbecue with her friends. She's going to work. Right going to work. So I don't feel like you should just be okay with somebody, you know, dressing like that because it's in style. Like it's, it is, it's a work, it's a work atmosphere. So hopefully I'm I'm happy to hear that you did the, uh, the manual because I was the same way. I started out with no rules because, you know, I went to 12 years of Catholic school and I was tired of rules. And I thought I want professional people to work for me that care on their own and don't need to be told what to do. But in reality, that's just not going to happen. You have to have some sort of structure because employees, they don't know they're doing something wrong when they don't know what the the etiquette is in your salon. So it's almost like you're setting yourself up to be disappointed. And then once you have those rules, you know, I can't tell you how many people I answer on social media and they're like, my client just stood me up for the fifth time. And my answer is always, why was there a second and third time? You know, like if she stood you up the first time, okay, it happens. Second time, okay, this is a habit. We need to clip this and we need to have her make a deposit to secure her next appointment or she doesn't get an appointment. She has to be put on a walk-in, you know, last minute basis to be able to get an appointment. It's that simple. 
And, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of the same posts of what do I do? This is ridiculous. It's costing me money. It's like, okay, how many times are you going to drive your car into a brick wall before you realize it's a brick wall and it's never going to go away unless you make it go away. So it's you and hard to talk about for four more years about all the things that go on. Um, but I wanted to, to, to wrap up our time together with um, asking you if you could do it all over again and knowing what you know now that you didn't know when you did go on your own, what would you tell someone who may be thinking about making the move that you did and not knowing what to expect? What's been your biggest gem of um, advice? Um, I think it's hard to say right now because they have the solo studios now that are popping up. So a lot of people are going out on their own and they don't have to worry about building like a salon and it's, you know, so you have that aspect, like for, I feel like people that go off and do that, like they're kind of fine because it's just them. They don't have to worry about anything. Um, they kind of, you kind of just will go in and do, you don't have to worry about keeping a staff and, um, that kind of sort of thing. But I think actually going and opening your own salon and it being an, um, you know, full staff and you need to be prepared for everything. Um, and it's like, you know that it's going to be a lot of work, but I know for me, like our one year anniversary, our one year anniversary in the salon, we had um, a water main break that the water flooded through our walls and went through. So it flooded our basement and then it went through the electrical box. So it caused a fire, an electrical box. Oh my box. gosh. The fire department had to come out and they had to like, kind of like go through the concrete to get to the electrical fire and they hit a gas line and we had a gas leak. So this all happened like in one weekend. It, so, and I just remember thinking like, this isn't like normal business stuff. Not, and that's now, not normal. <laughs> it's not, but definitely made me like kind of come to this conclusion of anything can happen and and again, like, and then we had COVID. So I just kind of feel like anything can happen and you have to truly be prepared for it and you have to really want it. Um, like I said, for me, I really just did not want to work for somebody anymore. I, I, I need the independence of being in control of my career. So I feel like unless you're doing it for, if you're doing it for money, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> So you really have to do it for the right reason. That would be, I guess, my advice. Do it for the right reasons. Um, don't do it for, you know, because you think you're going to be making like so much money and, you know, you're going to have all this freedom because it's actually kind of the opposite. It's very much the opposite. It's you, you have the, the right to take time off, but if you take time off, it affects your business. So it just depends on what your priorities are. You have to be very self-disciplined. Um, to be able to make it work. And, and most times you end up working a lot more than you did when you were, when you were an employee. Well, thank you so much for this time. This has been great catching up with you and seeing how far you've come. And I can't believe it's already five years. That's amazing. Congratulations. And um, I'm so proud of you. I'm so glad that we got to reconnect. And I hope that people listening got some some good gems of, of information from, from us two chit-chatting here. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We will see you on the next one. Thanks, Danielle. Bye, Elaine. See you later. Thank you for listening to the Ask the Color Expert podcast. Please subscribe and be sure to leave a review. 
For more information on hair color education, please visit my website, www.expertcolorsolutions.com. See you soon.